Amen. Woo, isn't it good to be in his house? We're living, we're breathing. That's a good enough reason to say thank you. Thank you, God. We've been focusing on the theme of double blessing during this series, and today I'm going to be specifically uh, dealing with an attitude of gratitude. Now, before we press into the message this morning, I want you to join with me in prayer. Uh, last night I received a text from one of the pastors that is part of our Thursday Guys uh, group. If you don't know what the Thursday Guys is, it's a group of pastors that get together here at Starbucks in Danuba. And we get together and we talk about life, what's going on in our ministries, our lives. We joke around. We, we try to see who's got the funniest story or joke. You, you already know. No, no, no need to keep you guessing. You all know already. You know, you know who wins that now. But one of our a pastor friends who I really uh, have come to appreciate and I'm grateful for is Pastor Mark Isaac. And he sent a text last night to us Thursday guys and said, hey, I need your prayers. Um, he's at, he, he was admitted to the hospital, and they found it was a result of fatigue and uh, also rapid heartbeat. And so they're running another test this morning, and uh, we agreed with him in prayer last night, but we're going to pray together. Uh, I know the other guys of the, uh, on the thread, we're all praying in our churches for our friend, Pastor Mark Isaac. I love him. He's a, a kingdom guy. He just wants to win people to Jesus, disciples them. And work together at reaching others. And so would you join me in prayer right now? Father, we thank you that you are not only Savior, you are healer. And we lift up Pastor Mark Isaac to you. We thank you for your servant. We thank you, God, for what you have already done, not only in him, but through him. And we pray, Father, that you would right now stretch forth your hand and heal him. I pray that you would just envelop him with your presence and that your virtue, your healing virtue would flow in his body and he would be restored to health. And I thank you, God, that there are greater days for ahead for him and the greater things that you're going to do through him, Father. I thank you for them even now. And we give you praise for hearing our prayer and also for your power confirming your word in Pastor Mark Isaac's body in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're dealing with the theme of double blessing and today an attitude of gratitude. Several churches in North Dakota were being served by a clever old preacher. The people were always amazed for no matter the circumstances, the preacher could always find something to give thanks for. As he made his rounds one cold December morning, he was late in getting to worship because of excessive snowdrifts. As he began the service with prayer, the parishioners were eager to see what the old preacher could come up with to be thankful for on this uh, dismal and frigid Sunday. Gracious Lord, he began his prayer, we thank you that not all days are like today. <laughs> In other words, he was, re he, was re he was relating to his people that there is always something to praise or thank God for. There is always, regardless of what your day may look like, if you think about it hard enough, you will discover there is always something to praise or thank God for. 
Now, I want you to understand this morning that God is good. I said God is good and God is faithful. Now, we are in a series called Double Blessing. And as I've mentioned, we're looking at an attitude of gratitude. So we are going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week, I shared with you that before original sin, there was original blessing. That sequence is significant because it reveals to us something about the character and nature of God. Blessing is God's most uh, ancient instinct. It sets the tone. It sets the table. Now, God won't bless greed or pride or laziness. We have to position ourselves for blessing. But God's posture Toward us, God's default setting, God's first and foremost reflex is blessing. It's who God is. It's what God does. God wants to bless you and I beyond our ability to ask or imagine. I want you to understand today, God has blessings for you in categories you cannot conceive of. And if you would look with me in the Bible, if you have one, if not, you can look on the screen. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul planted the church in Thessalonica on his second missionary journey. He's writing the, this letter a few years later, around 51 AD. The church finds itself in some challenging circumstances. So Paul offers this exhortation in chapter 5 starting in verse 16 down to verse 18. These are some of the shortest verses in the Bible, yet they they pack a punch. Look with me, Adam. It says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all, say all, circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will is? Simple. Here we see a clear definition of His will, that we give Him thanks in all circumstances. Now, what I want to do this morning is unpack these verses and talk about cultivating an attitude of gratitude by focusing on three realities. Reality number one, whatever you don't turn into praise will turn into pride. Whatever you don't turn into praise, turns into pride. What do you mean, Pastor? The Bible makes it clear where our blessings come from. In James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. This is the genesis or the beginning of gratitude. It's all from God and it's all for God. And it's not just what we perceive to be blessing. I'm not sure we know enough to know whether something is a blessing or curse up front. What we perceive to be blessings actually backfire if we don't steward them the right way. And what we perceive to be a curse may be a blessing in disguise because it's the catalyst for our growth. Let me give you an example. Again, back to James. James writes in verses 2 through 4, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Say, staying power. Staying power. That's what perseverance means. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Notice, not lacking anything. Now, I want you to understand something here. James is saying there's a reason why you can rejoice. And it's not because God always answers your prayer in your way. The reason you can rejoice is when you have the right perspective. That God wants to develop something in you. That if developed in you, will bring you to a point in your life where you will lack nothing. How many of you want to be at that point where you lack nothing? Well, he tells us here, this is how you get to that point. You've got to go through many trials in order that your faith can be tested. And if you go through those trials, trusting God while your faith is being tested, something is going to be developed in you that will help you to be able to make it through your trial and as you're going through your trial with this something then you're going to be able to come to a place in your life where you will lack nothing what is that something it is patience it is staying power but that staying power cannot be fully developed until you're willing to go into facing different kinds of trials trusting God in the midst of it but here's the good news that what you discover when you make up your mind and you resolve in your heart that no matter what I don't understand I'm still going to trust God no matter what I'm facing I'm still going to look to God what's going to happen is there's going to be a power that is developed in you that is going to prove that no matter what the pressure is on the outside of you, it doesn't match up to the power that is on the inside of you. That when you trust in God, what happens is He develops in you what He's given to you to a fuller and greater measure. His power is on the inside of you, but you will never know the power of that faith muscle inside of you until you face trust. And some of those trials are things that bring us to a point where we don't understand what's going on. But if we trust God, even when we don't understand what's going on, the power on the inside just keeps on growing. And even though the pressure on the outside would want us to give in and to cave in, we are encapsulated by the presence of the power of God to such a degree that we cannot be broken down. Instead, we break through because we learn that the power on the inside of us is greater than the pressure on the outside of us. Now, too many of us, when we pray, we pray for comfort instead of character development. God loves you. And he loves me. Just like I am, just like you are, but too much to let us be where we're at right now. Because he's like, you know what? There's more of Jesus that still needs to come out of you. And so I'm going to put you in the trial right now. So more of Jesus can come out of you. And we're like, 
Is there another way, God? I mean, can we do this some other? Can you just zap me and make me more like Jesus? No, no, no. It's going to happen like it happened with my son Jesus. Now, James says, count it all joy. Calculate it as joy. Now, I want you to understand that I'm going to use a word right now, and some of you are like, what in the world? Is he speaking Hebrew or Greek? None. There's a book. It's actually like the commentary of the Old Testament. It's called the Talmud. The Talmud. And according to the Talmud, the Jewish commentary on the Old Testament, watch this. A man embezzles from God when he makes use of this world without uttering a blessing. In other words, if you enjoy something without giving thanks, it is as if you have stolen it from God. How's that, Pastor? Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. So if there's anything that is good and beneficial that I enjoy in this earth, in this world, it belongs to God. He's a creator. Therefore, I ought to respond in the after of enjoying that saying, thank you, God. Anything less than gratitude is grand larceny. Now, think of this. An observant Jew would pronounce 100 blessings per day. Those blessings would begin with the phrase, Baruch Ata Adonai. They would then fill in the blank with thousands of different things. According to rabbinic tradition, a man should not taste nothing before he utters a blessing. They would offer a blessing before meals, like many of us. And they would also bless God during the meal for the double blessing of different taste, different smells. Oh, I practice that a lot. You knew food was coming into the message. Ah, I told them at, uh, at Cutler, every once in a while when I go to Walmart, I go where they sell hot dogs. And I look for those ballpark franks. Them are good hot dogs. And then I make sure we have eggs. If we don't, I get the eggs. Or I'll go down that aisle where there's spam. Any spam eaters around here, all right? You're feeling your bro. You're feeling your bro. And every once in a while, I have what we used to call growing up scrambled eggs with weenies. Or spam and eggs. Spam, in case you didn't know, it's the pole man's steak. And every once in a while, I enjoy myself some spam and eggs or hot 
dogs with scrambled eggs. And, and of course, back in the day when mama made it, it was with the homemade tortilla. But you know what I've discovered at Walmart? They sell those tortillas that are like homemade. You know what I mean? They tell you all you do is pull out that thing to put the comal. And all you do is put it on there for 30 seconds. You wait till it rises up. Then you flip it and you wait till it rises up. And one more time. And while I'm having it, while even while I'm preparing, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes your pastor even starts speaking in tongues because I'm telling you, when you're preparing the scrambled eggs with weenies or the spam, the fragrance just, it, it causes my worship to go up before the Lord. Now, one more thing. Let me tell you what happened this past week. Your pastor loves fried chicken. Anybody ever watch The Help? There's a scene in the help where one of my sisters is teaching a lady how to make fried chicken. Well, this week, let me tell you how I make fried chicken now. I try to make fried chicken with duck oil. But the last few times I've gone to Walmart, they haven't had duck oil. All they have is a pork fat oil, and so I, that won't do. So I came home, and I was getting ready to make my fried chicken. And Pastor Gary called, and I'm talking with Pastor Gary Duran, and, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm about to make fried chicken. He says, but have you ever made it this way? I go, what way? He said, look, get yourself, get your, get, get, get yourself some, some buttermilk. I said, I don't have buttermilk. He said, regular milk. He goes, and put, put some in a bowl. And then he gets another, he said, get another bowl. And then what you do is, is that in one bowl you have, you have, you have, you have the, 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 the milk. And then in the other bowl, you, what you do is you crack an egg and you, and you beat it. He said, well, then, then what do I do? He said, you take that chicken and, and you put it in, and, you, and, and you, you get in your flour, but then you, you soak it in that. And then you, you put it in the milk and then you soak it in that and then you cook it. The glory of God came down as I watched the crisp on it begin to fashion and form. And I'm telling you, my house, my wife was in the other room. I'm in the kitchen and she don't know that. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. You see, that's what an observant Jew would do with their meal. They would not only thank him before they were going to eat it, they would, as they're eating it, they would enjoy it and give God thanks. And even at the conclusion, they would thank him because they would recognize God, what we've enjoyed, it came out of the ground that you gave us, Lord. What we've enjoyed has come to us because you enabled us to enter a land that you promised where milk and honey flow. Let me remind you guys today that if you got here by transportation, you got a another reason to give God thanks for. If you were able to sleep under a roof last night, you got another reason to thank God for. If you're breathing this morning, you got another reason to give God thanks for. You see, an observant Jew would bless God for a new day, a new article of clothing, a new experience. And one of my favorite blessings is animals. They would do this on seeing an elephant or a, a tailless ape or a long-tailed ape. One would say, blessed be he who makes strange creatures. Now, I don't know why they singled out those particularly, particular animals, but I love this approach, path to new things. Whenever they experience something pleasurable, they would praise God. Why? Because they understood what James wrote. Every good and perfect gift comes down 
from the Father of lights. Watch this. Even for rain, they would thank God for the rain, but they wouldn't simply bless God for rainfall. In the words of Rabbi Judah, we give thanks to you for every raindrop you cause to fall on us. Did you know there are 90,921 drops in a gallon of water? They blessed God for each and every one. On that note, there are 37 sextillion chemical reactions happening in the human body at any given time. You are digesting food, regenerating cells, purifying toxins, catalyzing enzymes, producing hormones, and converting stored energy from fat to blood sugar. What are you saying, Pastor? We we owe God right now 37 sextillion thank yous. Now let me ask the obvious question. Why 100 blessings? During the days of King David, a devastating plague is said to have claimed the lives of 100 Israelites every single day. That's when a council of Jewish rabbis prescribed this practice of reciting 100 blessings per day to counteract the plague. According to tradition, the plague stopped immediately. Now listen. I can't promise that gratitude will cure whatever ails you, but it is an all-purpose antibiotic. And that's where the double blessing begins. Whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pride. After World War II, two families were waiting in line after a church service to greet the pastor. The church was preparing to build a building at that time. The first family in line said, Pastor, as you know, our son was killed in the war. We would like to give $200 as a memorial gift. The second family said, Pastor, we were going to give 200 but our son came home. We're going to give 500 You see, what this story illustrates is, The greater you're blessed, the greater your praise should be. The greater you enjoy blessings, the greater your thanksgiving should be to God. I want you to understand today, some of us are complaining about the year of the car we drive when we ought to thank God that we have a car to drive in the first place. Some of us are complaining about the home we live in. The fact of the matter is there are some people that would wish to have a roof over their head. Some of us are complaining about the job that we have when there's somebody that is sweating it out looking for a job. The good news is that God says, I'll wait on you. I bless you anyway, but I'm waiting on you. And if you'll give me thanks, not only will your life be enriched, but I will see to it that you are marked for more of my blessing in your life. Ah, now, Paul put it this way in Romans eleven thirty six: for everything, say everything, 
For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. Now let me push this envelope a little further by pointing out the second reality. Here's reality number two. Learning to praise God for the partial miracle will lead to the whole miracle. Learning to praise God for the partial miracle will lead to the whole miracle. In the Gospels, in particular in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 25, there's a two-part miracle that I find fascinating and encouraging. Jesus lays hands on a blind man. And this man experiences a partial miracle. After the Lord initially lays hands on him, he asked him, can you see? He says, I see men like trees. I see men like trees. His sight is restored, but not completely. We'll call it a 2100 vision. This is where many of us doubt God instead of praising God for the partial miracle. This is where many of us give up because we didn't get the whole miracle. Listen, even Jesus had to pray twice. Some miracles happen in stages. These are the moments when we need to double down with prayer and fasting. All too often, we withhold our praise for partial miracles, and then we wonder why the whole miracle never happens. Why not praise God every step of the way, even when it's two steps forward and one step back, you're still one step ahead, and He is worthy of your praise for any progress that you've enjoyed. And I want to encourage you today. Praise God for partial miracles. Because those who do end up receiving more than they ask for. Can you prove it, Pastor? I sure can. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17, we read the story of ten lepers who cried out to Jesus for healing. Jesus instructed them, go to the priest. And as they went, the Bible says, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Out of those ten, one returned to give Jesus thanks for his miracle. Watch what it tells us in Luke 17, 17, and 19. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you what? Well, nine were cleansed, but only one was made well. You see, the nine ingrates, they got their physical healing, but only the one foreigner received internal healing as well not only was his body healed his soul was made well and i'm telling you when you and i give god thanks say god thank you that right now your hand is at work it is performing your promise in my life i don't see the fullness of what i've been praying for but i see glimpses of it already happening and i just want to thank you right now that even though it's not done yet i'm thanking you for what you've already 
already done in the process of performing what you promised my life. I'm telling you, this works. There are times in my life where I have prayed for people or prayed for things and I only see a little bit of it unfolding, but I've learned this, that if I thank God as it's unfolding, it will continue to be unfolding. It will continue to be in progress. And God will bless you with more. Now here's reality number three. Your focus determines your reality. Your focus determines your reality. In case you care, this is what Quiggin said to Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars Episode (laughs) 1. Now I, I know that this sounds like a Jedi mind trick, but Paul preached this gospel 2,000 years ago. In Philippians 4, verse 8, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about such things. A few decades ago, A study was done with college students that consisted of two questions. Question number one, how happy are you? And question number two, how many dates did you have in the last month? The researchers found a weak correlation between the level of happiness and number of dates. Then they flipped those questions. Question one, how many dates have you had in the last month? Question two, how happy are you? All of a sudden, there was a strong correlation. What happened? Well, the sequence of questions made those students focus on their dating status or lack thereof. Psychologists call this a focusing effect. One study involving Olympic medalists conducted by a professor at Northwestern University, Vicki Medvik, found that bronze medalist were quantifiably happier than silver medalists. This makes no sense. Silver medalists beat the bronze medalists, which means they should feel better about the outcome than those who lost to them. But here's what was discovered. The silver medalists tended to focus on how close they came to winning gold. So they weren't satisfied. With silver. Bronze medalists tended to focus on how close they came to not winning a medal at all. So they were just happy to be on the medal stand. The technical term for what's happening with those Olympic medalists is called a counterfactual. And there are two kinds of counterfactuals. Upward and downward. An upward counterfactual is focusing on how things could be better, like winning gold instead of silver, and it produces feelings of frustration. A downward counterfactual is focusing on how things could be worse, like not winning a medal at all, and it produces feelings of gratitude. Now, let's have a little bit of fun with this. Here is a fictitious letter written by a college student, and it illustrates this idea perfectly. Dear Mom and Dad, I have so much to tell you. 
Because of the fire in my dorm set off by student riots, I experienced temporary lung damage and had to go to the hospital. While I was there, I fell in love with an orderly, and we have moved in together. I dropped out of school when I found out I was pregnant, and he got fired because of his drinking. So we're going to move to Alaska, where we might get married after the birth of our baby, your loving daughter. Then a P.S. is added. None of this really happened, but I did flunk my chemistry class, and and I wanted to keep it in perspective. (laughs) You see what happens when the perspective changes. And this is what Paul writes, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What is Paul saying? Joy is not getting what you want. Joy is appreciating what you have. And you're like, but pastor, I don't have much. But the fact is, you have something. But you say, but the something I have doesn't compare to what others have. But if you would know that there are some people that would long to have that something that you are taking for granted. But here's the other thing. You may not have much in your eyes, but there is someone that you have who is faithful regardless of what is happening in your life. There is someone who has promised, never will I leave you nor forsake you. And he is pure. He is lovely. He He is admirable. He is just. That's why Paul says, set your mind on things above. Philippians 4.11, the Apostle Paul says, I have learned how to be content whatever the circumstances. Let me remind you, Paul is not writing this from some ivory tower. He's writing it from prison. That's why it packs his punch. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I learned the secret of being content in any every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What is Paul saying? Contentment is not circumstantial. It's attitudinal. Your focus determines your reality. Let me deal with something that I've heard in church my life that is Basically, not true. You've seen in people on Facebook will post it or put on a bumper sticker. I'm too blessed to be to be stressed. Let me tell you something. Here's what I've learned. You can be blessed or stressed and blessed at the same time. And here's what I've learned. The more blessing on your life, the more stress. Okay, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Where are you, where are you at? I'm under a palm tree in Hawaii. Yeah, that's why. Let me tell you something. For those of us that live in the real world, we've learned this, that the more responsibility you have, the more stress comes in your life. But we also know we're blessed. We are blessed by a God who gives us a power that no matter how great the stress is, His power is greater still. His grace is sufficient. And we can be stressed and blessed at the same time. 
I said it last week, blessing is not zero gravity. It's not no problems. In fact, the blessings of God will complicate your life, but it will complicate your life in ways that it should be complicated. At the end of the day, there are two ways to process the things that happen to you. And it's a focus issue. Here it is. Either your theology will conform to your reality or your reality will conform to your theology. Let me say it another way. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. If you're looking for something to complain about, you'll always find it. If you're looking for something to give God thanks for, you'll always find it. Because we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Key to seeing the way God sees. Here it is. Make a beeline to the cross. Because when you come to the cross, you realize that your net worth doesn't determine your self-worth. The cross says, I don't care what deficit you came to me with at the cross. This is how much I think you're worth. Every drop of my blood. At the cross, your sin was nailed. At the cross, the curse is broken. And according to Ephesians 1.3, every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. So what are you saying, Pastor? Our reality check is in our circumstances. Our reality check is the character of God. And God is good when? All the time. In fact, Psalm 84.11 says, No good thing will God withhold from those who walk with Him uprightly. So let me wrap this message up by issuing a challenge. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. I told him in Cutler the other day, I called out to the Lord and I said, thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my grandchildren. Thank you that you've kept them. Thank you, God, that you've watched over them. Because I wanted him to know I don't take it for granted. I don't take it lightly because I understand. I have friends who can't say the same thing. And I just wanted to say thank you that in your mercy, you've been good to my family. Count your blessings. Because here's what I've discovered. If you don't make it a practice, to count your blessings, then eventually you will discount them. And ultimately, you will act like they don't count. Two friends met each other one day on the street. One of them looked pitifully sad, almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what has the world done to you? My old friend, the sad fellow said, let me tell you, three weeks ago, 
my uncle died and left me $40,000. That's a lot of money. But you see, two weeks ago, a cousin I never even knew died and left me $85,000, free and clear. Sounds to me like you've been very blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away. I inherited almost a quarter of a million dollars from her. Now the man's friend was really confused. Then why do you look so glum? This week, nothing. Isn't that how we are? We start complaining about what we don't have instead of counting what we do have. Instead of saying, thank you, God, I have a roof. Thank you, God. I have a mode of transportation. Thank you, God, I have a job. Thank you, God, that you gave me rest last night. Thank you, God, that you've seen me through another week. Thank you, God, that you've kept me through another trial. Thank you, God, that you gave me strength to win another battle. Thank you, God, that you continue to supply my need according to your riches and glory. I may not have everything I want, but I have what I need because you've been good to me. You've been faithful to me. You have been faithful, God. (laughs) Gratitude is born in hearts. Take time to count up past mercies. No amount of regret will change the past. No amount of anxiety will change the future. But just some amount of gratitude will change the present. So sometimes I deliberately, because you had that experience, you go to your refrigerator, you open it up, and just like a kid, you get on your kids for doing this, but we do it too as adults. There's nothing here. But if you pull open, you find some ballpark Frank's hot dogs. Grab that package. Get your knife. Slice. Put it on the cutting board. Get your eggs. Get those wannabe homemade tortillas. And thank God. And I'm telling you, what happens? Your perspective will change. You'll no longer stress over what you don't have. You'll start to bless Him for what you do have. Amen? Father, we thank You today because You're good. and You're faithful. And I know, Father, there's some people here today that they're in the midst of trials. I know that. They're in the midst of trials in their lives right now. And it's hard for them to calculate it as joy. But today you wanted to remind them 
I'm developing something in you that's going to keep you from lacking. Just trust me. As your faith is being tested, just trust me. I'm, I'm developing something in you. My power is, an, is growing stronger in you. And you're going to discover that the power that I've placed inside of you is greater than any pressure on the outside of you. And for those of you that are in the midst of a fight, in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of a trial, I believe the Father is saying to you today, just thank me. Thank me that I'm with you, and thank me that I've equipped you with power that is greater than the pressure. You're not going to break down. You're going to break through. I really feel that today. Somebody needed to hear that today. You're not going to break down. You're going to break through because of the power inside of you. It's not going to let you break down. As you choose to trust God regardless of what you don't understand, God is going to sustain you through that power and help you break through what you've been going through in your life. And there's others of us today that we simply need to change our perspective by counting our blessing. We've been complaining, we've been griping about what we don't have. Today's a day to calculate, to count what we do have and to give God thanks for it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being my help. You helped me another week, God. Thank you, you kept me another week, Lord. I'm still here because of your goodness and your mercy. Yeah. There's some of us that just like that leper who returned to thank Jesus for. This is what this service was meant for. Not to ask Him for anything, but to thank Him for everything that we do have. Thank Him for everything that He has done. And what you thank God for, I've discovered. <laughs> starts to be multiplied what you thank God for starts to be multiplied and so I'm going to invite those of you that would say pastor I need God's strength for this season of my life I am in the midst of a trial and I need his power to keep being developed in me I realize now that that's what God is doing I don't understand what's happening, but I'm choosing to thank Him that He's given me the power. And that that power is developing in me. And at the end of this process, I'm going to lack nothing. But I need His strength to keep on. If that's you, prayer warriors are coming at this time. And we're going to agree with you in prayer. And then there's others of us. We simply need to come up here to give Him thanks for what He has done. Thank Him for what He has given us. Thank Him. You come as well. You come and present what the Bible calls in the book of Psalms. It says to present to Him, to give God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Come and give Him that. He says in Psalm 50, 23, 
he who offers me a thank offering. To him, he says, I will prepare the way and show him my salvation. Think about that. That when you give God thanks, it prepares a way for God to show you again his delivering power, his rescuing power. Come, come right now. Whether you're in the midst of a battle and you need strength to continue in the process in which God is developing his power in you, you come. Or you're coming up here because you're saying, you know, I realize I need to give God thanks. I don't have everything I want, but I have what I need. And I'm going to give him thanks for what I do have. I'm going to give him thanks for what he has done. I'm going to give him thanks for what he has already given me. You come. God is here right now to receive your thanksgiving. And as you give him thanks, it prepares the way so that he can continue to show you his delivering power, his rescuing power, his mighty power at work in your life. You come. Yes, Lord, we come.